Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, Mission View. So glad you're here today. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time with us, we're so glad that you came to worship with us today. Hopefully you've enjoyed worship so far. We're, we're starting our Advent series. It is the time of Advent. And if you're like me, I had no idea what the word Advent meant. Um, I, I uh, started working at a church, a Methodist church, probably about uh, 10, 10 years ago, and they, they celebrated this thing called Advent. And um, I grew up in a non-denominational church, and I had never heard the word Advent before. And um, Advent was this time that the church um, put together to kind of prepare our hearts, focus our minds on Christ's coming and His birth. And so um, what we're going to be doing as a church is taking these um, five weeks of Advent, and we're going to be preparing our hearts, focusing our minds on Christ's coming. And um, all the things that you're going to see over the next few weeks and experience, hopefully, will point towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm extremely excited um, about this sermon series. I love this book. This is a Bible. And um, I love this book. Most people don't know this, but, but this, this book holds the greatest love story ever told. Anybody here love a, a great love story? You know, where you have, you know, you have the damsel in distress and you have the, the knight in shining armor. And, you know, it, it, it always comes down to like that last second, that last moment, right? And you're, and you're sure that the, the damsel in distress, distress is, is going to, you know, you know, get caught by the bad guys or whatever. But then in the last moment, the, the last possible moment, the knight in shining armor shows up and, and saves the day and they, they live happily ever after, right? Well, all of these ideas that man has come up with pale in comparison to the true love story that is, is from Genesis to Revelation in this book. It's, it's, they're just a, a kind of sideshow. Just, uh, it's not even a good comparison. And what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks is, is we're going to do a kind of a Bible overview. We're going to start in Genesis. We're going to work our way through um, all the way to Christ's coming in the book of Matthew. So this is going to be a great time. We're going to uh, read a lot of scripture. We're going to see kind of take a, a, a bird's eye view of God's amazing love story. This, this story of, of a, a creator God who, who out of, well, out of love created and, and just set a, a plan in place that goes beyond anything we can expect, anything that, that we can create. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open up to Genesis if you're new to the Bible, that's the first book in, in our Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. Genesis is the first one. We're going to be looking at Genesis 1 through 3. Now, I know I can get a little long-winded, and I just said three chapters of the Bible. I'm not going to be preaching uh, expositionally through all three chapters right there, but what I do want to do is, is kind of give us an idea of what's going on in the context of Genesis chapter 3, which I will be expositing a little bit. So um, we'll start in Genesis 1 and uh, kind of get an idea of what's going on here. And um, let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we open it today, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the truths that you would have us see. God, give me the words to share. I pray that you would use me for your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do right now, we're going to read the entire first chapter of Genesis together. 
Now, it's a big, big chunk of scripture, but there's a key phrase that we see over and over and over again through the chapter, and I want you to say it with me, so you're going to have to follow along a little bit. We're going to have it up on the screens, and, and you're going to have a line that you have to say, and it's this, and God saw that light was good. So that's the first one, but he's going to say, you're going to hear this word that it was good over and over and over again. So you're going to, as I read through this, I want you to say that with me. So why don't we practice one time? And God saw that the light was good. You ready? And God saw that the light was good. Oh man, you guys are pros. This is going to be great. I was a little worried. I was a little worried, but now I'm not. All right. Uh, Genesis 1, 1, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Here we go. And God saw that the light was good. Man, awesome. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered there, he called seas. Here we go. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and the trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And... God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. The first thing, um, as you came in today, you should receive a program, and you can follow along in some fill-ins and some notes on the back there. The first fill-in is this, that God created everything, and it was very good. God created everything, and it was very good. Some important things we need to be aware of here in Genesis chapter 1. The first is the presence of all three persons of the Trinity right there in the front. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And verse 2, and the second part of that, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then um, verse 26, that says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Um, the second thing that I want to point out here is, is that God created out of love. We just uh, finished our sermon series in 1 John, and and um, it was called the Father's Heart. And what we, we found in First John was this, this God, this Father God who loves us. And we, we, heard, we heard words like our little children, my little children, these endearing terms that God used for us that kind of express his, his Father's heart, his loving, caring, protecting heart for us. And, and what we see in creation, one of the things we see in creation is this love that God has. God loves us. He doesn't have this love, this some shallow, weak, fair-weather love, but with a love that serves and sacrifices for us. That's the kind of love he created out of. You know, Josh really unpacked that for us well last week. So, so we know that at the root of every action, of every direction, um, every instruction and discipline that, that God has for us is what's underneath it, what's underpinning it is God's perfect love, God's true and wonderful beyond humanity love. So we can say that God created out of love. Creation reveals a perfectly loving God. And here's, here's the truth. God didn't need us. God didn't need us. God didn't have to have us. There was not some requirement, mandate, or command sent out to him to create us. God wasn't lacking in relationship, depressed and lonely. God was complete without us. It was purely because of his great love that he created us. 
We see God's perfect love in that he created us, man and woman, in his image. We were created to be image bearers of God. All other creation, God formed with the words of his mouth. But humanity, he formed with his hands. He formed us. You were lovingly, meticulously handcrafted by a loving creator God. Handcrafted. We were meant to be glory reflectors, mirrors that when others see us, they they see the, the grace and the kindness and the goodness of God. We, at our best, we, at our very best, have God's glory shining through us. When we're at our very best, we have God's glory shining through us. We find our central, our fundamental or ultimate purpose in that we bring glory to God. That we were created in his image to be his image bearers. We find our ultimate purpose in that we bring glory to God. And we find that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In that last part, we find the key to representing or image-bearing and glorifying God. That God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about being in relationship with God. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. We can only represent Christ out of a close and intimate relationship with Christ. No other part of creation can say that. We are set above and we are set apart from all other creation in the fact that we were created in the image of our creator. Not dogs, not lions, birds or fish or apes, but humanity. Male and female made in his image, equal representatives, but beautifully and purposefully different. This was the Garden of Eden. This was paradise. I mean, you know, we think about this. This is heaven. You know, like we, we dream of, of when all of our worries, all of our struggles, all of temptation and all of the pain and suffering that we have come to face in this life, we, we dream and, and hope for that time that, that God's going to come and make all things right. We are, we are waiting for paradise. And right here in Genesis 1, we see paradise created. It wasn't just good. It was very good. Paradise. But it doesn't last long. It didn't take humanity long to blow it. Not 15 books later in in the Bible. Not even two books later. Not 20 chapters later, not eight chapters later, but in chapter three, paradise goes from being this perfect, unhindered, unblocked, intimate 
wonderful relationship. Creator God, humanity, no barriers to completely broken. We're going to jump to chapter 3 in Genesis here. Start in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden, out of paradise, to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The first thing I want to point out about this we find in verses 1 through 5 is that Satan always brings God's goodness into question. 
Satan always brings God's goodness into question. Did God actually say? Did God actually say? You will not surely die, he says. God knows that when you eat it, you're going to be like him. He's just, he, is, he is withholding, he's withholding some really good stuff from you. He knows you're going to be like him. You're going to know. You're going to know stuff that you don't know right now. Surely you won't die. You see, when temptation comes, it's always questioning God's goodness, God's good intentions for us. God doesn't want what's best for you. There's a better way. There's a better way than what God says. Man, this is one of the craziest accounts in Scripture. And I read this, and man, I'm just, my heart is breaking because of the consequences of what we just read. It, we, we have this, this vast difference of, of God creating everything very good and it's awesome and it's paradise, it's amazing. There's no hindrance in relationship with creator and creation. It's beautiful. And then it's broken, it's just shattered. Man, man and woman together. And you, you, see, you see what's going on in the garden and, and, and Eve's there and the serpent comes and tempts her and I'm just like, what's Adam doing? You know, right? I'm like, the serpent's tempting Eve and he's saying all this stuff about what God said that's not true. And he says, surely you can eat of it. That's, that's, I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure you can eat this. I wonder what Adam was thinking. He's just, just standing by there. Just, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Just letting his wife go through, you know? What was he doing? Satan always brings God's goodness into question. Another thing I want to point out, number three, is this, that Adam and Eve didn't believe God. We see that they didn't believe God. They believed the lie. And that's, and that's what we do every time we buy things that we shouldn't or eat things that we shouldn't or do things that we shouldn't. We're believing a lie and not believing God. It's the same old lie out of the garden with Adam and Eve. It says things like, you know what? One piece of cheesecake isn't good enough. You need the whole thing. All right? One sugar cookie isn't good enough. You need the whole thing. Or that car that you're driving right now, I know it's fine. I know that it runs well and gets good gas mileage. But man, if you just had that BMW, I mean, Honda Accords are nice, but that BMW, that's where, that's where it's at. You'll be fulfilled. Your life will be awesome. Your life will be so much better. It's a lie. It's all a lie. God's way is the good way, the better way, the best way. God doesn't want to steal your joy and happiness. He's not withholding. He's not withholding some amazing thing from us. God wants to give us ultimate lasting joy that outlasts what created things or or people can give us. He wants to give us the ultimate joy that's, that 
goes beyond our circumstances, goes beyond the things around us, but are found in the eternal. Here's the big problem that what happened with Adam and Eve in their belief system is that what we believe actually determines what we do. Belief determines action. What we believe about God is vitally important. Last week, Josh asked us two questions. And they are two questions that that can change our lives forever. They were, who is your God and how does your God love? Who is your God and how does your God love? What do you believe about how your God loves? What do you believe about God? Do we, do we believe God really wants what's best for us? Do we really believe his way is better than our way or better than the world's way? That, these, that's a real question we have to ask. And it's, it's easy to, to, for me to stand up here and, and say that out loud and then quickly in my mind say, yeah, I believe God wants what's best for me. But then I go out into the real world and I start living real life and struggling with real things, whether it be financial struggle or relationship struggles or whatever it is, and the rubber actually meets the road in my Christian walk. And I'm talking with other people and maybe I'm having a conversation with one of my unsaved friends. And they're saying, what are you doing, man? You got to look out for number one, Matt. And I, I go to his word and it, and it says things about selflessness and about, about serving others and, and sacrificing for the kingdom of God. And, and then life hits me right in the face with, with whatever struggle it may be. And, and I'll talk to an unsafe friend and they're like, you're crazy. What are you doing this for? What do you mean sacrificing and what's a servant leadership? What, what is that? That sounds like the dumbest thing ever. And I have to make a decision. I have to choose something really hard. Do I believe that God's way is better than my way? That God's plans are better than my plans? Or am I going to go the selfish way? It's hard. I'm not, I'm, I, I, I want to make this clear. This is really hard stuff. This is real Christian life stuff. And we, we have to be dependent on God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us and, and empowering us to walk these things out. And, and I've made mistakes. I've made, I'm, preaching, I'm preaching to myself this morning. There, there are pockets of disbelief in my heart right now. And there are pockets of dis- disbelief in your heart right now. The question isn't, do I believe or not believe? The question is, where is disbelief determining my actions right now? Let's, let's be honest, right? This is church, right? We can be honest in church. Where is it? Where am I not believing God right now? God, we... I just pray that you would reveal in our hearts where we're not believing your goodness right now. Do what only you can do, God, that your Holy Spirit would open up our eyes. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to live a life in the dark. 
I don't want to walk through life not knowing where, what's going on in my heart, you know? And, and pride blinds us to our own blindness. And it takes a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to us. We, we are all in this together. We are all in this together. Praise the Lord. But let's not walk a life in darkness. Let's be aware that these things are going on internally. And let's just acknowledge it and let God deal with it and move forward. Moving on, let's read verses six through eight. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was there with her doing nothing, being passive, and he ate. Sorry, sorry, that, that just comes out. <laughs> then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid. This is hard to read. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Number four is this, that sin creates a chasm. Sin created a chasm. This may be the saddest verse in all of Scripture, Genesis 3, 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? We go from perfect, wonderful intimate relationship with our creator to where are you? Our hearts just break. What was very good now has this gaping hole of brokenness and separation from a loving creator who didn't have to create us, but out of love handcrafted us, separated, broken. Sin created a chasm. Where are you? What have you done, my son, my children? What have you done? God knows where Adam is. He's not up there, you know, scratching his head. Where'd I put Adam? Where do you go? He knows exactly where Adam is. He's not saying, where are you? He's acknowledging the chasm that sin has created, the brokenness. That instant, right then, God saw everything. Hitler, cancer, all of it. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? Death, Temptation and sin, the fall of man, the struggle of humanity for all of time until Christ would come again one day. He saw it all. And he says, where are you, Adam? In that short, longing question, we hear the grief and sorrow of the magnitude of what just happened. God in that moment knows and sees all of eternity, the pain and suffering we would all come to know and bear. Sin and death now entered a world that was good and sin and death are not good. We were not created to die. 
We were created for eternity. That's why death is so odd and obscure and weird to us. We weren't created for it. We were created to be in relationship with our creator forever. Paradise broken in the fall. But there's hope. There is hope. We find it in starting in verse 14. Listen closely and, and see if you can hear the hope that God speaks. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is hope. God is saying something really, really important. And he's revealing to us right away that God has a plan. God has a plan. He, he's not up there going, oh no, now what do I do? It's all done now. The ball's rolling down the court. It, it's, so no, he's revealing that God has a plan. From this very moment, we are given a glimpse of light and hope who is the one who can bruise the head of the evil one? Who is this that God is talking about? This plan of redemption is set into motion right here in the garden. It is told over generations and hundreds of years. God would choose a man who would be the father of many. He would choose a people who they would be his people and he would be their God he would raise up kings to rule over God's people and then he would send prophets to draw this chosen people back to himself so that they would be protected and cared for. This chosen people would represent a bloodline that would actually bring in the king of kings and lord of lords. It would be a protected bloodline prophesied about hundreds and hundreds of years before his arrival, which Sarah read to us this morning in Isaiah. He would send his only begotten son through this protected bloodline. Eventually, this bloodline, this people would bring forth the arrival of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus the Christ would come and he would be the one, the only one who could bridge the chasm, heal the chasm. This is the story of redemption, the story of kings and prophets and priests. It is Jesus' story. It is hope for you and me. It is Emmanuel, God with us. And as we prepare our hearts for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, we hold hope. And as Sarah so eloquently said, we live on this side of the cross. You know, before they lived in waiting and in hope that a Savior would come. One who would be able to bridge that gap. And Jesus showed up, but not like they thought he would show up. He showed up as a baby. They were expecting this, this warrior king with this huge sword and on horses and, and, you know, crushing the Roman Empire that had oppressed them. But God being God and doing things his way, not ours, shows up as a baby. 
in a manger. And you and I have the benefit of of reading eyewitness accounts of his amazing, perfect life and sacrifices that he made for us and his amazing death on the cross and his resurrection. We have hope that he is coming again and we wait for that. Christ is our hope. So that's how our love story begins in Genesis. We have the creation where God creates this paradise, this Garden of Eden. We see how it's broken and how that perfect relationship is broken by sin, creating that chasm. But God, in his goodness, reveals a plan. It's just a glimpse, just a glimpse of his plan coming. You know, Adam and Eve, they didn't know when this, this would come. It could have been five years, could have been 10 years. They didn't know it would be thousands of years. But we can look back at history and see this amazing love story unfold. God's love for you and me through the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you created us, that you created us out of love. And Lord, as we take this time to to really focus our minds and hearts on the thankfulness and gratitude that we have that Jesus came, and as we prepare to celebrate his birth, God, we pray that we, as we open your word, that it would it would just sink deep into our hearts. That your truth would change us and grow us. That we would come to know you more. God, we pray that you would take us deeper, deeper into relationship with you. We offer this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand for our closing song today.